This is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm for Sunday, May 30th, 2021. Today's topic is survival of the fittest. I'm going to go through and discuss that theme as it shows up in a lot of what we're talking about today. I'm going to start with the hive report and talk about the flowers and what's going to be blooming, talk about swarms, get in depth on survival of the fittest, and then talk about a mite plan we're looking at, and then talk a little bit about some no-look splits I did this week. So let's get started. The hives had a real, I think, tough time this week. We went from 30 Celsius, 30, 33 Celsius, whatever it was, all the way down to 2, 2 degrees. And um, I could tell from the temperature sensors from home except that a number of the hives were clustering. Um, it also had an impact on some of the new swarms that had moved in. So about two days or three days before this change in temperature, we had a swarm move in to the um, St. Robert's School hive. And they were rocking for about four or five days. Um, but then all of a sudden, they, they started to ease off. And you, you could see very little activity and then eventually no activity. And there was no activity on the sensor that was placed inside that hive with regard to movement. So they basically stuck around three or four days. And it looked like they've left. I'm going to be checking it out later today uh, because yesterday there were cold winds coming uh, right into them and it may have stopped them from moving but i have a feeling that they've left and that's not unusual i'll talk more about that under the topic of survival of the fittest but it looks like the st robert school hive is now vacant again and open for for new tenants yesterday in walking uh the farm i noticed the number of the um yellow sweet clover is is just starting to bloom and the hairy vetch is starting to bloom and the um, canola the the volunteer canola that popped up seems to be pretty much over which is great because what we'll do now we do collect a little bit of honey for the family and uh, a few friends so what we do is we take a couple of Langstroth hives and I put on a queen excluder so if we have a single deep I will put on a queen excluder and add a um, basically a honey box to the top and let them fill it uh, with honey generally take that off sometime in july and then um you know let them collect everything else until november for themselves and that's more than enough honey um i mean they can they can fill a box in two weeks basically uh, the goal is to put the boxes on for us when it's the honey that we like so i really like clover and uh, honey from uh, sweet clover so the white and yellow sweet clover are just going to start to bloom in a week so probably by the end of next week we'll have two to three boxes small medium just little boxes on there and we'll um we'll be able to um take off some honey in july and the rest is for them the idea too is when i when i put the frames on i'll put um frames without foundation every other one so that the bees have to make their own wax which is healthy for them so we give them that opportunity. Plus, we monitor the, the health of the hives that we use for this purpose. Um, last year, and it may have been coincidence, we did three hives like this. And, and one of the hives, it was I call it a super hive. It was way too big. And we went into the winter with three boxes. The only hive with three boxes, and it didn't survive the winter. Um, but again, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, was it because we added a box for honey and uh, took the honey box off? later i don't know so we'll, we'll keep track of the three hives that we we work with with regard to that now with swarms yesterday was just a gale force winds and it was cold it was probably about 10 degrees wind chill was probably colder 
and I was walking along the path and I could hear bees and, and you, you, there was nothing in the trees because I mean the, the trees were just bent over from the wind and I looked down and there was a massive swarm just off the path on the ground in a little protected area where the bees had gone because obviously that was the only place they were, they were going to be able to go and huddle in the gale force winds. I don't know where they went to but they are somewhere hopefully on the farm in one of our vacant uh, vacant hives. The uh, vacant hive situation, I went and checked out some of the Langstroths. I had put some Langstroth hives out for, for swarm, for empty homes, and there was no activity. For a while, there were some inspections, but then none. So I went and looked in them, and of course, two of them had mice, so I had to take them out, and I took them apart and used them for something else once I cleaned them up so that I think it's probably a bad idea to put them down like that without any you know, um, bees in it because the mice are going to go right in, especially in the forest where we have them. So I'll be checking the other two Langstroth hives we have left out there that are empty, probably today or tomorrow, and uh, if there's obviously any mice activity, clean them up and uh, use them for something else. The um, the top bar hive that came in, it looks just great. We still have had a few, um, uh, you know, scouts, but nothing significant. I think the bees will be swarming again this week, and we'll see what happens there. Speaking of swarms, uh, there's some research suggests that, you know, if you have 10 swarms only two will survive and a lot of things can happen on the way uh, you know from the swarm to becoming an established colony and this week we had uh, I believe we had five we started with five and we're down to three that seem to be thriving so we've lost two I will check again later today and and this goes to our topic of later of uh, you know survival of the fittest because you know, if a hive swarms too early, or the queen isn't strong, or the queen is, you know, a little flighty and doesn't, you know, take care of things, whatever the reason may be, they don't survive, then some would argue that, you know, if we as humans do extraordinary things to keep them alive, we're really just propagating a, a weak part of the hive species that won't work towards survival. And this sort of leads into my mic plan thinking about you know reading more and more about natural beekeeping and how most natural beekeepers won't use any type of mite treatment believing that if you do anything you're 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 you know stopping the bees from natural selection where a significant number of hives will die from mites but a lot of them will survive over time initially only a few but over time more of them as they become more resistant and learn strategies and techniques in my theory is I'm wondering about the ability to help them by using some of the non, some some of the more natural uh, mite prevention techniques. And, and the walk away no look split is one way, but the other way is to use if you have to formic acid. Hopguard I said probably took out two of our hives this spring, and I'm a little leery about that. But uh, formic pro or formic acid is one that is natural occurring and occasionally we may use. So I'm still debating it, but I think in July. I will probably do, as I have some of that stuff left, some treatments on some Langstroth hives that we will, if they survive the winter, hopefully we'll then be able to provide for people to purchase in the spring of next year. So the, the, the mite plan is one of, you know, when you have multiple swarming and you have um, really good food and nutrition and, and you don't have access the bees don't have access to pesticides so much on our place because there isn't any and it's 50 acres of basically blossoms 
they'll be able to, you know, build up resistance and fight and be so healthy that they obviously will have mites, but hopefully with a little help from us with the miticides, they'll be able to survive. So that's sort of the plan currently with regard to mites. I had a couple hives today, and I may do I may do a, a two more this week where <clears throat> they just looked like they, they needed to be, they would have been okay to do no-look splits, and I did those. I did two of them, and uh, the first went really, it was really easy. It probably took me about two minutes. Everybody cooperated. <laughs> the second one, though, um, there was a frame from the bottom box that somehow the bees had sort of attached to the frame of the top box. So when I pulled the top frame off, unbeknownst to myself, and I went to set it down on its new base, there was another frame there of not-so-happy bees so I had to work to get that off, of course, and put it back in the other hive, and, you know, things eventually got put back together, but it was a bit of a, you know, they weren't too happy, and, and this hive is a little testy to start with, so, um, but it went well, so we have a total now of um, six uh, plus two, we have eight, um, you know, no-look splits, and probably go into the winter with that, we have um, a total of three um, new uh, hives where, where we caught swarms. Swarms came, sorry, on their own and decided to live with us. We have one, two, um, and three. Uh, two of them in log hives. Uh, so we have a total of three log hives right now going into the winter. And what we're going to see if the other two uh, eventually become occupied. Nothing yet with our living highs we've had a number of um, bees scudded out but no takers yet so it could be that it's uh, the one willow hive might be just too moist inside we see the humidity is like 95 percent inside there uh, or it may have to do with the fact it's a newly cut out log hive and they need time to be able to they would rather have one that was you know a little older in age than all of those things so we'll see what happens so lots going on it looks like we're going to have more swarms this week um, the yellow clover in a week from now should be just, the yellow sweet clover should just be rocking and I'll be putting on the, uh, a few honey supers to grab some honey. It's probably the easiest way. I mean, I opened up some of the uh, top bar hives, with, which is very non-intrusive because you just basically open one little part of the side. You don't have to open up the whole hive. and It would take a great deal of scraping and scooping uh, because they are top bar hives and apparently that's not unusual for top bar hives, but I thought Rather than do that, I would just close them up and observe them and possibly in October go in and, and when, when they're clustering and just take out a little bit of honey so that um, they have more room. That worries me a bit though because the fall is, you know, they've got all that honey for themselves, but I'll just keep tracking and see what happens with those top bar hives. Again, I'm Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. Remember, you can go to wildflowerbeefarm.com to look at all their videos. Um, go to honeybeelessonplans.com if you, you're homeschooling or you want some, you're a teacher, you want some lesson plans for children. And you can go to teachable.com and take my uh, class on beekeeping the way we do it. You have an amazing week and I'll talk again next time.